Welcome to Currents, your leading global voice of maternal feminism. As maternal feminists, we are inviting you to join us, using our voices in the public square for the things that deeply matter, our faith, our families, and our maternal identities. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers and women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in our homes, our communities, and our world. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Currents Podcast. Um, From Big Ocean Women, we are so happy to have you today. And today you're in for a real treat. We are going to be talking to the founder and the director of NAFA, the Native American Fatherhood and Families Association, Al Pooley. He's with us today, and he has so much experience. So welcome, Al. We're so happy to have you. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here with you. Al, can you share a little bit about NAFA, um, your organization, and the kind of focus that you have? Sure, sure. Well, the organization is called Native American Fatherhood and Family Association. Why we had a title like that is that, first of all, we are really about families. And the importance is about keeping families together, about strengthening families, about reuniting families. And so we felt it was important to emphasize the importance of fatherhood because most programs out there focus when they talk about family, they focus mainly on the mother and children, which is, which is, which is very well needed too. But we felt the importance of also focusing on the, the need to, to engage fathers into the lives of their families. And so that's why we did it this way. I, as you can see, I'm, I am Native American myself. I am half Hopi and half Navajo. Uh, born and raised on the reservation here in Northern Arizona. And by profession, I'm a marriage and family therapist by profession. Mm-hmm. And I started doing this work as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a practitioner back in 1971. So I've been around a long time. Wow. And so what I've done is that I, in the past 20 years, so I focused primarily on the need of fathers and how we strengthen families. And so that's what I've done because most people, most agencies look at as, as the man as being the problem of the families. And we mm-hmm. say, no, if we, we, let's look at it in a different way. Fathers are really the solutions to many of the, to many of the, of the problems that face families today. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, it's the fathers that are the greatest untapped resources that are, the, that are really available to, to, to the people out there. And so we're taking a little bit different look at how we look at fathers and the importance of that. So why we looked at families is because that I, I feel that, that as one of the basic institutions, family is the core of all societies. Yes. And I tell people, if I want to destroy somebody, mm-hmm. I don't destroy your home, I don't destroy, I, mean, I don't destroy your house, I don't destroy your cars or things like that, even your, even your career, because you yeah. can always, you can always re- rebuild those. But if I want to destroy you, I destroy your family. And a good place to start, to start is, is, is look, at, look at the top. Looking at destroying a family and saying, there's not really a need for fathers. And some people have that idea, like I don't need a father, I don't need a man in my life. And so I think that if I want to destroy, that's where I start. I start by destroying the importance of the role of fathers and men. That's where I start. I love that. I love the way that you've reframed it instead of 
focusing on men as consistently and perpetually being the problem, NAFA is saying, no, this is the solution. We have to start there. And what is that? What does that look like in your community? What impacts have you seen? Well, let me kind of back up some more. I, I go to a lot of, I work with a lot of people who are incarcerated in prisons and who are homeless and things like that. I work with a lot of fathers like this. And I tell a lot of the fathers and mothers this thing that, that a lot of people, let's look at people who are, who are incarcerated. There's a lot of people who are incarcerated that are good people. They really are good people. Right. Problem with most of them is this. They are unfamiliar with a good life. They've never had it. Okay. Mm -hmm. They've never had a good life. They were born into chaos. They were born into violence. They were born into addictions. And they're born into a lot of these things that create problems within a family. And so they're unfamiliar with a good life. They've never had it. <clears throat> they've never seen it, except maybe in movies. But they've lost their mothers and fathers and their family argue and fight and have, have addiction issues. And so, like I said, they're unfamiliar with a good life. So what we do is we try to explain to them that you can change, you can improve, and you can progress in life. You just got to do a few things. So what I tell them, starting off the bat, is this. I ask him two, two questions. Do you want to be a, a significant role in your family? Do you really want to do that? And the question is, I mean, the answer is always yes. Yeah. Some say, well, I, I burned so many bridges I can't. Okay, let's look at this. So I say, okay, do you want to be productive in, in life, in society? Mm -hmm. say yes. They say yes. Okay, then let's look at three simple, basic things that we work on. Yeah. Number one, number one, I explain to the fathers and mothers the importance of keeping their promises, keeping their word. Yeah. And so let's look at when somebody first gets married. They make a lot of promises to each other. But today, divorces are over 50% people get divorced because people are keeping their promises. They're breaking right. their promises. So I understand. If you want to be successful in life, learn the importance of keeping your promises or keeping your word. We say that's real Native American, keeping your word. Number two, the importance of keeping rules. For an example, if I want to be your friend, I got to keep rules. I can't lie to you. I can't cheat you. I can't steal from you. I can't harm you physically, or I'm going to possibly lose your friendship. Right. So I got to look at the importance of keeping rules. It's very important because if I start breaking rules, I'll start losing friends and losing opportunities. Third thing I look at is now the importance of keeping laws. There's certain kind of laws, like the laws of nature, like the laws of gravity. If I jump mm -hmm. off a 10-story building, I'm going to kill myself or get hurt pretty bad. The laws of the land, like I can't be drinking and driving at the same time, okay? So I can't be texting and driving. So again, we got to keep the laws of the land and, law and rules and promises, I say. If we do those, if we do those three things, we work on those things very diligently. Guess what? You have earned and you're entitled to one of life's greatest blessings, and that's freedom. You're free. Yeah. And so we say, now let's look at this. You gotta be free to be happy. You can't be incarcerated and be happy. You can't be in a very domineering or oppressive relationship and be happy. You have to be free. So if you keep rules, if you keep promises and keep laws you will be free. Not only that, when you're free, but you will progress. You will advance in life and even flourish in life if you work on those three things. So let's go.
go to the very basic things and let's start working on those three things. So that's one of the things I do with my, my first art of my fathers and mothers. Let's start looking at that. So because a lot of people have break broken promises. They break yeah. rules and they break laws. Well, it's also a generational thing. I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said that some people don't even know what it looks like. They've had such trauma and such abuse and violence from the very beginning that it's a foreign concept to, to them, the idea of feeling safe and having boundaries and rules that they don't even know what that looks like. And so starting at the very core, I can see how that's so revolutionary to a mindset, you know, that they've well, been. I do, before I, I, once I, once I start with that, then I said, okay, now let's start with three basic things again. In mm -hmm. other words, besides the promises, rules, and laws, and I said, now let's look at now. So I ask, I ask him, do you like to be in charge of your life? Oh yes. Do you like to be in charge? Yes. Do you like to be in charge? Good. And I ask him, are you proud to be? Are you proud of your heritage? Are you proud of being Native American? They say yes. But this can apply to any 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 race. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Now let's work on those two things. You like to be in charge. And you're proud of your race. You're proud of your heritage. I say, now let's look at I want you to do three things. I don't tell them not to drink. I don't tell them not to use drugs because they already know that. I don't, right. tell them to, I don't tell them not to hit their spouse because they already know that too. I say, now I want you to do, if you really want to get back into, into your family, into society, into the workplace, number one, you be kind. Learn to be kind. Talk kindly to people. When people aren't around, you talk kindly about them. In your, in your case, if you have a family, if you have a spouse, you could talk kindly behind her back. You do kind things with her and do kind things for her. Okay, so let's learn to be kind. I say that's a, that, I say that, that's, that's a law that anywhere you go, you could be on the subway, you could be on the streets, you could be in jail. We all want to be treated kindly, no matter where you're at. Right. So let's be kind now. When you're kind, understand something. You are now in charge. And you just told me you like to be in charge. When you're kind, they're playing ball on your field. When you get mad or lose your temper, you're playing ball on their field. Mm -hmm. They're in charge. And you just told me you like to be you like to be in charge of your life. Number one, be kind. Now I say, you're proud to be Native American, right? Yes. Okay. I say, you know what? The movie industry has painted us in the wrong direction. Native people are a kind and generous people. We really are, I said. Yes. That's the heritage of our people. So if you're proud to be Native American, you be kind to everyone. I says, so again, you want to be in charge? You're Native American, you be kind. And you start by being kind if you're married to your spouse, to the mother of your children. And you be kind to your family. That's where you start. Number two, I want you to be useful. A lot of people are in the home, but they're not very useful. They just sit there, or even on the job. If you're at work and then if you're not very useful, people don't miss you. People don't need you around. Wow. So, again, so you, be, you, you be, so we get into being useful, you know, because you cannot be on your, being on your phone all day long. It's not being very useful. Watching video games or watching movies, it's not very useful. And I say, so let's learn to be useful. And I say, what does that mean to you? So I go through a process that, what does it mean to be useful at home, on the job, in the community? Because when you're useful, people want you around. They need you around. They look I love that. You. 
I think that that's so important. I think what you have to say and what you've shared right now is very beautiful and important and impactful, not just for the Native American people, but for everyone. And I really do think that men for decades have felt useless and that there has been this in the quest to recalibrate and rebalance the masculine and feminine that they've been forgotten. And in general, men have been said, well, we don't need you anymore. And so then I feel like there's been a very overall feeling of uselessness. Well, if I am not useful to anybody, if people just see me as consistently the problem, then they kind of end up becoming that and retreating from society, retreating from their families, that they're not engaging anymore. And um, it's just, a, it doesn't help balance in a harmonious way at all when the other team doesn't even show up. And then, you know. What do we say to them? Let's say someone is married. I say, okay, what a marriage is, is this? It's a full and equal contributing partnership. You yeah. both you both you both have to contribute to that partnership, but it's an equal, equal, contributing partnership and fair. And so I so we get on that. So if you're just in the home not doing anything, people really don't miss you. They don't really need you around, even on the job. Like I said, when you're useful, people want you around. Okay. So then the third thing I work on is this. I say now let's I, I say let's work on let's look at your attitude. I said because. That's the most powerful weapon you have right there, your attitude. It will either push people away or I'll invite them into your life. Mm. Said, Some people have a really bad attitude. And they wonder what the problem is. Well, I'm sorry, but you are the problem. If your attitude is bad, people don't want you around, you know, because you, and I want you to be a person that uplifts people, makes them feel good. So let's look at your attitude. So I mm. said, so I work on those three things to get them back into Get them back into society and their family. You know, one is being kind, two is being useful, and three is having a good, uplifting attitude. Now, that's not, I don't work on their addictions off the bat because they will, they can work on those things. I want them to be, I work on three things. I work on their self worth. They have to see the value of themselves. Wow. Understand the value of who they are. I go into a lot of prisons. I tell people this in prison. I says, if you, learn, if you don't learn anything from me, I want you to learn two things from me, if nothing else. Number one, that you are worth more than the worst mistake you have ever made in your life, and that is the truth. Wow. Number two, you can change. You can improve and you can progress in life. And that is another truth also. So that's what I work on. But I work on their self-worth. I work on their identity. Just who are you? Not who you pretend to be or who you wish you were, who are you? And so I say, you know what? People always look for a miracle to change us. You know what? Miracles are there, but they really don't work because people forget them so quickly. But the real miracle of life is two things. One of them is you, okay? There has never been a person like you. You may, have a, you may even have an identical twin, but you think differently. You have different, you have different needs and wants. You may look alike but you're different. There's no one ever going to be like you ever, ever, or, or in the future. You're one of a kind. You are priceless. You are unique. You are irreplaceable. And you are precious, precious, precious. 
I tell everyone that. That's beautiful. And then I work on them. So I, on their identity, who are they? Who do you want to be? Now I say, a lot of people try to compare themselves with somebody. Like I want to be like so-and-so. You know what? I said, if you try to compare yourself with somebody, you'll always lose. You'll always lose because there's somebody younger than you. There's mm -hmm. someone looking than you. There's someone taller than you. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So if you're going to compare yourself, compare yourself with yourself. Where you Are you better today than you were yesterday? Right. So, again, you improve a little bit at a time. And we all, as you heard saying, slow and steady wins the race. Yep. So we say, let's do it slow and steady, and you will, win the, you will win the race. So, again, you know, you are worth more than your worst mistake, number one. And number two, you can change and improve. And that's the truth. Yeah, I think today so many people suffer from feeling worthless that, you know, if they were to disappear off the face of the earth that nobody would care. Excellent. And just remembering the fact that you are precious beyond measure, that you're better than your worst mistake, like you said, can give people just a spark of hope that they need to want to live another day, to want to be present for their loved ones, mm -hmm. to want to be better. And you said it right. It's just if you're incrementally, even if it's one, two percent a day and that you're self-aware and wanting to do a little better each day over time, that mounts to a lot. It does. It does. Pretty a lot. Then the third thing we do besides your self-worth, identity, then we, then we want to bring purpose to their life. What's the purpose of your life? We want to have a life that's driven by purpose, because if you don't have a purpose life, purpose driven life. People, you've heard these. You've heard these statements. I'm just hanging, or I'm just kicking, or I'm just chilling. You know, mm -hmm. and many times people do that. That simply put, they're wasting their life away. And life is too valuable and too important and too precious to be wasted away. So let's bring purpose to your life. When you bring purpose to your life, you get things accomplished. You get mm -hmm. things done. So again, those three things: self worth, identity, and purpose. So those are the things I really work on with my with my clients here. Now, part of your identity is this, and I'm real, my staff knows this. I will not tolerate any kind of racism. Mm -hmm. I say, you know what? You had no say-so in the color of your skin. You had no say-so in your heritage. I say, you know what? When you apologize, you say, I'm sorry, I'm not Native American. Understand something. You have insulted your parents. And it doesn't mm -hmm. stop there. You have insulted your forefathers. Now, again, your forefathers suffered and sacrificed for you to be here, not to apologize for them. Your job is to get to know them and see what they've done for you to be here. And that goes for any race. And I say, you know what? When anybody uses race, and right now I'm so I'm so disgusted with politicians because they use race into the thing. When you bring race into that, that's so childish. They're, they are dividing people by bringing race into the picture. It's not about race, I tell them. It's about good and evil. And there's, yeah. good, and there's good and evil in every race, in every culture. It's not about race. Right. So, and so I tell my staff, I will not tolerate if somebody tries to put a wedge between someone because I'm I'm not, I'm my race is better than yours. I say, but you can work for somebody else. You're not working for me. Simple right. as it. And also, like a lot of times our native people, they are now mixed, they're mixed blood, they're part. They're part Caucasian, or they're part Hispanic, or they're part Asian, or they're part, or they're part African American. And I say, don't apologize for the 
for the part that you are. Yeah. Be proud of that. Don't don't be apologizing because people will use that against you. You know, so I said, so I'm I'm really big on that. So I don't have tolerance for racism. I just don't. I and, and I and the people when people use that, like I said, they're being very childish and they're very unprofessional. They're trying to divide people when they use race. Right. Right. I think that there's something to be said about a person that is secure in who they are, secure in their background and their ancestry, and that they want to choose the very best from whatever side that they have. I am mixed and my husband is mixed and our children are doubly, triply mixed. And so um, we we have a, the privilege of of choosing these beautiful gifts and traits and talents from, you know, our exactly. family background. So exactly. you can share that wealth with others and not look for the negative in your own or in others. You just want to share and, you know, have an abundance mindset. And I think that a lot of the negativity and the divisiveness comes when people are insecure about who they are and continually want to be visible by others or something. Well, and want a lot of that, I think, boils down to people are drunk with power. They just mm -hmm. want power and they use any means to divide people. Okay. For example, one, one, one could be like, well, I have more education than you. So what? Are you any good? You know, yeah. I have 30 years of sobriety. So what? Are you any good? You know, yeah. I don't look at things like that. You know, I want to call it, is somebody good, decent, honorable, courageous. That's who I want to work with. Right. That's why I work with my people. I want you to be a good and decent, honorable person. Because when you do that, you can go any place in this world and be accepted. Now you'll run across a jerk or two. That's what we have in every race and every culture. In every family you have jerks. I said, let me teach you how to maneuver around these jerks because there are jerks everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they'll use anything to divide people. I said, so let's teach you how to let's teach you how to maneuver around these people. Yeah. Which is a really important thing today. I I like you said, race, I mean, they're teaching this in schools now, critical race theory, where you're bringing race into even little kids that didn't have the concept now. Now they're looking at ways in which they're, you know, apologizing for their heritage and feeling like I said, some of these, some of these professionals are drunk with power. Mm -hmm. They really are. And to me, when you try when you try to divide anything, even like a family, there's people that are evil. And I just say, let's try, let's say, I said, if you're a good person, you'll be able to identify what that is. And I said, I have no, I just, I said, I'm, I'm too old to try to make friends. I'm just, I'll be 70, 76 <laughs> years old. I'm too old to try to make friends. I want my people to improve. Right. I want them to change. I want them to be happy and flourish in life. You know, and so I said, even in your family, they'll do things to bring you down. And one of the things people will do to bring you down is, let's say, they'll start bringing up your past. Yeah. You know, it's not about the past. It's about what you're doing now in the future. But again, they'll bring you that race. They bring education. They bring all kinds of things just to make you make them sound like they're better than you. Don't do that. Don't yeah. let that game on you. Right, right. This is all really beautiful, very helpful advice for the listeners. I hope that you can share this episode with the men in your life who may be feeling down or rejected by the world, so that they can recognize how impactful they really are. What are some of the ways, what are some of the things you've seen in your community of how families have been kept together? What are some of your best success stories? Oh, there's a number of them. Let me tell you about the organization itself. I started with one father back 20 years ago. Then I went to two, 
one tribe. We now work with over 300 tribes throughout North America. We now have, we start training facility people. We start, I've written some curriculum. We now have over 3,000 people who are certified in our, in, our, in our curriculum across the country. Amazing. We have never had $1 from the federal government. We have never had any money from the state government. The tribes, the people are buying this program on their own. Wow. Oh, we have been, we're now, we're now an NGO of the United Nations. So now we're starting to take this program around the world. Beautiful. We just, we just got status this is past year, just this year. And so, like I said, people are embracing this program around the country because I, I've learned, I was told many times that Native American men are the hardest nut to crack. They just don't trust very many people, but they've embraced this program. A lot of guys I have been now to become wonderful fathers and husbands and leaders in their community. They have changed. They really have changed. And I say, you know what? When it comes to, for example, they talk about historical trauma. I say, yes. Let's look at trauma. I say, you know what? Trauma is part of life, okay? Good and bad of life. It's okay, it's part of it. But I say, you know what? This may sound crazy, but I say, if you really look at your traumas, you may have paid a very, very high price for that. A broken heart, uh, lost opportunities, whatever, whatever. You paid a high price. Or maybe you're still paying for it. Let's teach you how to use it. You mm-hmm. must learn how to use your traumas because you paid a high price. Mm-hmm. I said, because if you don't learn how to use it, you'll always see yourself as a victim. And, wow. there's, a lot of, and there's a lot of predators out there. Some predators are doctors, lawyers medicine people, whatever they are. Interesting. And I say, what? When I say, any predator will go after people, after what, anything that is vulnerable. Mm. You have paid a high price. Let's teach you how to use your experience and use your traumas to become victorious, not a victim, but victorious off your experience. And let me show you how to do that. Very, very, as there's a process in how you do that. That is what that's the message that is revolutionary today. There's it's almost as if people are using trauma to just wallow in it, and who's had the had it the worst? It becomes a competition almost. Correct, not enough people saying, I experienced this, I paid a high price, as you said, and now I can clearly see, you know, the damage that certain things have happened and that I can turn that around as and work from a place of empowerment to help others around me so that they don't have to suffer so that I can alleviate the pain that I experienced and I can turn that around to benefit others to bless others well like in college I've, I've taught at three universities in the past in my in my past careers and they talk about empathy now empathy is a wonderful concept now that I feel what you feel and I you know but I say there's a word better than empathy. I said that's called compassion. Because when you have compassion, it includes empathy. But compassion motivates you to do something about it. Not just to feel it, but to do something about it. So yeah. I said, I had a lot of ex- bad experiences, a lot of traumas. Make, let's turn it into compassion. Because you become a wealth of information, a wealth of, re- of resource to people. I said, you know what? As a therapist, now I'm like I said, I'm speaking now as a therapist. One of the things you have, one of the things I do, 
sees this. A lot of people are hopeless. Yes. And there's a word called despair. When you have despair, hope is all gone. It's gone. And that's when people commit suicide. And mm -hmm. suicide, among, suicide among our native people is, is rampant. It's high. So you have hopeless where there's a, that means there's a reduction of hope. Despair, hope is all gone. So yeah. I said, as a therapist or as a worker, what your job is to do is this, is to strengthen the hope somebody already has, strengthen their hope, and bring them new hope. Mm. That's what the job is. Okay? Because hope is what motivates people to go on. And so mm. I said, but that hope has to be grounded in truth. It can't be grounded in lies or deception. Or people actually then take their lives. So, that, so I tell, I have my people work on the importance of loving the truth. You must love truth. Yes. Because, because lies and deceptions, I said, when there's lies, deception, and secrets, there is always, always corruption. Right. Lies, deception, and secrets. There's always corruption. That could go in a marriage. That could go in a workplace. That could go in the government. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Everything you're saying is so important. It's reminding me of a movie that I watched with my family. It's a movie that we've watched repeatedly. I don't know if you've watched it, but it's the Avatar movie. The newest one is The Way of the Water. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, you have to see it. It, it really highlights the power of the father in this movie. And repeatedly, you know, the father is is showing and and fighting to keep his family together he's yoked with his wife and together they're able to save their children um and it's such a powerful movie i watched all of the behind the scenes from this movie and they really went to great lengths to learn across you know the world the different native cultures of the world and to really highlight them in a beautiful way um, there's so much wisdom in First Peoples and in, in Native communities. And in my personal perspective, I feel like now is the time where you have the most to offer in a leadership capacity to share all the wealth of wisdom that you've had. And, and you know, like you said before, a lot of the trauma that you've experienced and survived, you can now bring this hope to others and bring the truth that has always been there. You can bring that back mm -hmm. so that other people can learn and remember the wisdom that's always been, you know, that truth. You mentioned how we define fatherhood in our program. We say fatherhood is leadership. Now, yes. But, but we qualify that. We say fatherhood is leadership, but it does not mean the father is the boss. He's more important or he's in charge. He leads his family. Okay, I say, so a good leadership, a good leader, open doors of opportunity. He, 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 he uh, pairs the way. And a lot, I go down the whole list of things. So fatherhood is leadership, but he's not the boss. He's not more important. He's not in charge. He leads his family in a good way. And that's why, so so we, we, we make that very clear to the people, what father really is. And so, uh, and we say, now, if your father, if your father or husband is corrupt, you don't have to follow him. Don't follow him. But you got, and so I say, we explain the point of what I mean by that. I can go on for hours on things like that. But it's just that we say, 
If your father is a good, decent, honorable man, follow him. If he is, you know what he'll do? He'll always put his family before himself. Yes. Yes. Okay. In the movie, it, he, the, the main character often says that a father protects. He does. He protects. He protects and he puts himself, his life on the line to protect. And when there's that internal desire to put the family first, that sacrifice is there. It's felt by, by the wife, by the children. And there's such a respect and an honor there that, um, that you want to follow, you know? In addition to that, some people think that the father's role is to provide and to protect. We say, yes, that's part of his very important role. But he's also there to nurture, we say, you know, because yeah. a child wants to have, now a father may nurture it different than a mother, but that's okay because they're being nurtured, okay? Like, like a lot of people, like a lot of tribal, traditional, a lot of tribes, like I was raised by my father and my mother, but my father sang to me as a child. He taught me how to sing. He taught me how to. He told stories, and so you have a bond between your father and and a different special bond with your mother. And so again, but fatherhood is not only provides and protects, but he also nurtures. But he may nurture in a different kind of way. Different way, yes, yes. That's important. So we say, so we so we we go down a whole list of things what a father should be doing and a mother. Yeah, and when that when that connection that partnership is there. Come heaven or hell, like you're unstoppable. That's right. I've, I've talked a lot about, you know, my colleagues at Big Ocean Women, that when our home life is harmonious, we can do anything. That's right. When you have that support behind you with your husband. And it's tricky in the work that we're doing because we feel like it's a calling from above, you know. And we, I love that you say fatherhood is sacred and motherhood is sacred. We often talk about divinity. But when you're called to do this work, it can be very heavy. But when you have a husband that is supportive of you, you know, you just really feel invincible. And, you know, things ebb and flow. Sometimes you can give a little bit more to the organization. Sometimes you need to, you know, cut some things out and focus attention on home and family. And so together we move, you know, as ebbing and flowing and covering for each other and and that way. But unanimously we all say wow what a difference it makes when our home life is harmonious and that's always our first priority um, you, you had mentioned that we do say fatherhood is sacred the mother is sacred why we did that is because lady people as you know identify a lot of things to be sacred like mountains and rivers and canyons and burial grounds even animals like buffaloes and eagles and we say they are indeed sacred but we say we need to remind you that Two of the most sacred, the two most sacred things on this earth is your role as a father and your role as a mother. Mm-hmm. And we have learned, we have found that when people really understand, not know, and they really understand the sanctity of their role as a father and mother, they're easier to work with. They 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 they, they just come out and blossom, you know, really, and it's, they they just do things that are un- unbelievable. And we say to them, you know what? Every tribe, and I've worked with over 400 tribes throughout my professional career, everywhere from Prince Edward Island, Canada, all the way through up, up to the, in, into the Yukon in Canada, from Alaska to Florida, from Maine to Hawaii. Every tribe I've worked with traditionally believes in life after death. Every tribe, they believe yeah. that life continues after death. Now, I say, if that's the case, guess what? 
fatherhood and motherhood are honorable and noble professions because you're going to be someone's when you die you're going to be looking for your father and mother and when you when you pass on your kids be looking for your for their father for you for you their father and mother father and mother father and motherhood are honorable no noble profession because you carried into the next life yes tribes identify with that now again and so tribes have connected with our message just right on target because it's nothing it's not scientific it's not theoretical it's just straightforward yes yes it's intuitive in your heart of hearts if you're going to be honest with yourself you can't deny the fact that the family is the single most important institution upon which all society builds we we have to be honest with ourselves we either admit that this is true or there's i mean you have to have some totally different framework of how people you know develop societies then you know well that's that goes back to identity because if people have bought into identity i say you know what one thing you have to understand that we to, to really change and improve you must love and embrace truth because i said you know what science can lie to you religions can lie to you traditions can lie to you even your own husband and wife can lie to you you must have a desire to find the truth that's a personal question in life you're going to have to do because you we have so many things that can mislead us i never tell people that they're sick or that they're broken. I never tell them that. I say, what? Most people are, they've been misled, misguided, misdirected, or misinformed. If you give them the correct information, then they have the right to choose whether they want to go that way or the other way, but let them make their own choice. Right. People are not sick. Now, when you get into mental illness, there's a lot of issues. We don't talk about that, but I'm saying most people are not sick. Because like, a, a, lot, a lot of modalities out there I want you to make you feel like you're sick. So you keep coming back to them, keep coming back. I know a guy that's been in treatment program over 33 times. Why? You know what? And the practice, the practitioners or the, or the professionals always blame him. Wait a minute. What are we doing wrong? The person keeps coming back 33 times to treatment programs. Why? What are we doing? That's not, that's not working. But well, we never look at that. We just, we just, because it's, it's, we say, well, it's, it's evidence-based or theoretical. Come on. That could be wrong too. Yeah. Al, don't you feel like part of the corruption is systems that prey upon victims, right? And they keep them perpetually sick. So that they keep coming back. And it's it's generating so much income and wealth and power. And I feel like there are very few institutions today that genuinely want people to get better and want to work themselves out of business. Well, part of the problem too is this. They use different tactics like fear is a big tactic, okay? It's to control people. Another big one is ignorance. You have to learn. That's why people, I tell them, if you really want to be free, you must have a desire to learn the truth. That, yeah. across, that cuts across everything. Even your, own, even your own marriage, you must have a desire to learn the truth. And so we go through all that because once you learn the truth, you will change. There's no question about it. When you learn the truth about science, you will change. You learn the truth about culture. Let me give you, I always tell the story about my, about my grandmother. I had a grandmother. Now she was Navajo and Navajos really have a lot of superstition about, about the dead. They're really afraid of the dead. 
And so what happened was that my grandmother, when she was about 90 years old, she got very ill one year and she got, we thought she was gonna die. So we took her to the hospital. She was in there for a couple of days and they said, well, they checked her out really good. They said, I'm sorry, but there's nothing really wrong with her. She's just getting old, probably gonna die. So my grandmother didn't wanna die in the hospital. She said, I wanna go home and die. Well, if you go through the reservation, the Navajo reservation, if you see a hole gone or a house that has been abandoned, chances are somebody has died in that house. So they just abandoned that. Now that's based on tradition, okay? Okay. So we brought my grandmother home and her boys and her daughters, they built a summer shade outside for her because they didn't want her to take her into the house that she built with her husband because they because if she died in there, they may have to abandon that house. Oh, I see. Built a little shed outside, let's what we call it summer shade. They made it nice, nice, comfortable, and, and they put my grandmother in there. But guess what? My grandmother didn't die for three more years. Oh my goodness. See, tradition can be wrong too. And I yes. say, I said, if tradition does not go to strengthen and improve our families, what good is it? Kick it out and start new traditions that do. Don't hide behind traditions. Don't hide what? behind science. Don't hide behind religions if they don't do what they do. Like for an example, well, I can, I, I don't, I'll stop right there. No, I think that's wonderful. I think it's wonderful because I, today, it seems to me that science is indomitable. And oh, what yes. we're realizing you know, is that we're learning constantly and there's no ultimate science that bears all truth. And a science that professes to do so, you, we should be a little bit suspicious of. Exactly. And I really think that, especially if a science isn't strengthening the family or keeping families together or forcing us to separate ourselves or, you know, kill members of our families, you know, it's really wild. But we trust these people in power or these institutions that that come across as being all-knowing and and it's simply not the case and we have to like you said really question things and very possibly throw them out if they aren't being helpful or useful in the truth that we know to be true which is families are important keeping families together is important yeah, he said, keeping families together, strengthening families, and reuniting families. Yes, That's yes. What we- I love that. I love that. Um, Al, in in closing, what are some things that you can share with a broader audience that may not necessarily be Native American, but that are struggling, feeling like, wow, I just really feel like there's so many people giving up on the idea of family altogether. It's becoming increasingly popular to just say, well, I'm just drawing this boundary, this healthy boundary. And, and in doing so, that so many people I know have just completely isolated themselves from families because there might be trauma there in the past or they're inconvenienced by the way that some of their family members think or speak that they're saying, well, I need healthy boundaries. And so they've completely isolated themselves in many regards and they are giving up on the idea of family, that they think that family is just something that's archaic, that you can now just choose who you want to be around and your friends can become your family. And what do you have to say to that? Because I feel like that's a really popular trend that's happening today. Well, that's unfortunate because, you know, I I go into, I I don't work with kids. Uh, I work with adults. And one time I went into, they they had me go into a junior high. 
and they say, can you speak to these junior high kids? And I was kind of nervous because what I, I don't work with kids. I, I have six kids of my own and 16 grandkids, but I don't work with kids. They put me into the, into the, with the junior high kids and I, I thought I'm just going to talk to them like adults. And I told them, I said, well, if you don't get anything from me today, please understand this thing. I says, the people that love and believe in you the most do not, do not make fun of them or criticize them. Do not do that. The people that love you and believe in you the most, don't make fun of them or criticize them. Because you know what? Because when you get into trouble, you're going to run home to those same people. Mm. So I say, now listen, we may have, we may have had problems with our family, but again, you can't change anyone. You only change yourself. You got to examine what part of the problem am I? What part of the problem did I cause to have a separation in this family? And that's what we work on. Because you can't change anyone. You can't even change your own kids. You can cry. You can demand. You can plead everything. And they'll change for a few hours, for a few days. They go back what they're doing before. When you, so I ask people like this. I say, let's say a husband and wife are having problems. I say, I ask, what part of the problem are you? Well, they'll say, well, he's the problem too. We can't change them. Let's look. What, what part of the problem are you? We start examining that. Now mm-hmm. I say, what? How do you respond when he treats you a certain way? How do you respond to that? She says, Well, I get mad or I cry. What I say? Does that work? No. Let us figure out new ways to respond. The old ways aren't working. Let's figure out new ways to respond. So we we, we, we break that up. If your family has caused a lot of chaos, one of the things you need to understand is that let's start with yourself first. You are valuable. Now, maybe you, maybe, remember, you're not sick. You may have been fooled, and society can fool you. I go to a lot of prison. I say, yes, good people. The biggest problem with you people in prison is that you've been fooled. Yeah. Okay? So let's start learning what is truth, what is correct. And you know what? The, the truth is that they can change. A family wants to be together. But many times, their family doesn't know how to put them, come back together. That's why we prepare them. Let's, let's have you become the catalyst just to bring your family together. Remember, again, how do you, how do you reunite families? That's yeah. what I'm saying too. Because some people don't know how to do it because they've been so much burning bridges that they have nothing to do with their families. Well, let's prepare you to start re- reuniting your families. I think that there's no sweeter work in the world than to reunite a family that thought that they were done. Exactly. Like, it's, it's never over. And people, never. and I think that what, we need to recognize is that we need each other. We're a physical, biological extension of one another. It's one, we're one being. And if, if we sever parts or we let go of parts of ourselves, those missing pieces will always be missing. We'll never feel complete. Okay. And it's worth, it's worth working on it, working on it and Can never. Can I say one thing? Now, some things you have to let go of though. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I say, let, let's examine those things you have to let go of, you know, because everything is not wonderful. And what everything about me is not wonderful. What part, what, what things do I have to let go of too? In other words, I always start with myself first. What, because remember, you can't, I tell people, you can't change anybody. You can mm-hmm. only change yourself. So let's look at, so then you become a real asset to your family. Yeah. You have to become an asset. So that they then want to come to you. You, if that's what I'm saying. You have to do that. As If you want to reunite your family, we start with you. Let's give you the skills, 
the ability to do that. And some people don't know how to do that. Well, let's start doing it. So I was give a joke. I said, Indians like fry bread, okay? Let me teach you how to make fry bread. If you don't know how to, I know, I know how to eat it, but I don't know how to make it. So if I, if I don't know how to make it, I go to people that know how to make it right. And right. I get something. Some people don't know how to reunite, reunite families. Let me teach you how to do it. Wonderful. So, Al, if there are folks out there that would like to learn more about your curriculum and how they can apply it in their own lives, even if they aren't Native or have that Native background, where can they find it? And how can they get involved? How can they access your expertise? Well, we actually have, I have, I've, I've written four manuals. One of them for the first manual is called Fatherhood is Sacred, Motherhood is Sacred. And there we prepare people to become parents, to become husbands and wives. Fatherhood is sacred, motherhood is sacred. That's the first curriculum. And the other cl- next class is that linking generations by strengthening relationships. How do you link generations from the past to the future? How do you link generations by strengthening relationships? Like things like how do you find the right person to marry? How do you end a relationship? How do you do? We teach them things like that. Okay. Wow. All and very so, applicable. Very. And very so it's a strengthening relationships. And then the next one is then it's called um, addressing family violence and abuse. Okay. Mm. And then the fourth one is now suicide prevention. Wow. I'm, I'm trying to prepare a fifth courses, single parenting and grandparents raising grandchildren. Wow. Those, those are important things across the world i'm we're hearing very similar things and where can where can people go to get those okay. to your go, website? To go to our website it's called nativeamericanfathers.org this is one long word lowercase nativeamericanfathers.org and you well you'll hit our website and all the information is there we have wow. we even have testimonials that people have gone through our program so that's where to go and then if you want to be trained become a facilitator We'd be happy to train you how to implement and then you can teach this to other people too. Beautiful, beautiful. Al Pooley, thank you so much for spending this time with Big Ocean Women. I feel like our organizations have so much in common and we complement that, complement each other. We're working with women on the women's side of things and you're working and focusing with fathers, but together we're all focused on families. Correct. So thank you so much. Thank you for the wisdom you've shared. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good day now. You too. Thank you. You have been listening to Currents, a podcast by Big Ocean Women. You can find us on the internet at bigoceanwomen.org, on Instagram, and on Facebook. We are each one powerful drop in a big ocean of change. Join us in one of our local chapters, Waves, or Women Achieving Vast Empowerment. Our music is First Rain by Ian Post. Editing and production is by Fifth East Productions. Please join us again next week for in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and about people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.